Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. City News. Hello, good evening. Welcome to Eyewitness News coming to you live from our studios here at number 11, Dr. Martin Loop in Adabraka in Accra. My name is Salom Adonu. Tonight I'm here with Akusia Ochre. Coming up over the next 90 minutes, International Economic and Research Consultancy Group Economic Intelligence Unit predicts NDC is likely to win the parliamentary and presidential elections of 2024. We will share with you relevant portions of the 32-page report. Also on Eyewitness News, civil society organizations in Ghana in the education space petition. The IMF board to remove what they call brutal expenditure cuts in Ghana's basic education sector arising from Ghana's bid to meet conditionalities for its IMF's application. Details later. Still on Eyewitness News on the never-ending saga of the Frimpong Boatin Galamse report, the Ghana Integrity Initiative calls on President Akofuado and anti-corruption state institutions to swiftly act on report. More on this later. Stay with 97.3 City FM on more on this and other stories on Eyewitness News and in business. Ghana Institute of Freight Forwarders calls for a review of removal of discounts on benchmark values. There is more in business a bit later on in the show. Eyewitness News is live across the country on all our affiliates and around the globe at citynewsroom.com. Your comments are welcome via our WhatsApp line 0549-986-996. You can follow me on Twitter at Selom Adonu. Uh, our first story... Uh, uh, we take our first story now, and our Kosia uh, uh, will have that. The National Democratic Congress is likely to win both the presidential and parliamentary elections in the 2024 polls. This prediction was made by the Economist Intelligence Unit, EIU, in its latest report released today. The unit cited poor governance and economic hardship as being largely the deciding factors for the expected voting patterns. EIU, however, noted that irrespective of who retains power, it expects Ghana's policy to continue to focus on ensuring macroeconomic stability. It also noted that a new government will face similar Similar economic challenges its predecessor encountered. Well, I've been joined in the studio by my colleague uh, Samiri Afi, who has that report, and he will help me go through relevant portions of that report uh, with you as well. Sami, welcome to Eyewitness News. Thank you very much, Salom. Yeah, so the, the economic economics uh, intelligence uh, unit every now and then releases uh, some of these uh, projections or findings, and Ghana, you know, every now and then features, and 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 for the past couple of elections they've, they've been predicting uh they've made similar predictions last year and i think uh two years ago N here they are with another one what exactly have they been saying in respect of ghana's uh election match i mean ele election map they call it election watch okay so the, the report is the two thoughts the the political outlook and the economic outlook now let's look at the political outlook because that's what a lot of people have interest in so it says that um Polit um, outlook for 2023 to 2027 political stability. It says the EIU expect Ghana's underlying political stability to continue 
2023 to 2027, despite a highly acrimonious political landscape. The rivalry between the National Democratic Congress and the new patriotic party will continue to characterize the political scene. As the MPP has a razor-thin working majority in parliament with 137 seats plus the support of an independent member of parliament in the 275 seat in parliament and passing controversial reforms will prove difficult reaching consensus on many or major legislation including revenue mobilization bills will test the government's strength and keep policy making slow over the remainder of the tenure now he says we expect a transfer of power to the ndc at the 2000 at the 2024 election driven by anti-incumbency sentiment and public discontent with the current government over Western living standard. However, irrespective of whom or who retains power, we expect policy to continue to focus on ensuring microeconomic stability. The new government will face similar economic challenges to those to those its predecessor did. But overall, political stability will be maintained as Ghana's main uh, parties and citizens have faith in the country's well-established democratic uh, principles and institutions in the country. It continues, it says public disaffection with the government stems from factors such as highly um, domestic, high rate of domestic prices, poor public sector working conditions, and limited economic opportunities for young people. The economic turmoil in Ghana will be reflected in its political outlook with the heightened risks of strikes, protests, and political um, demonstrations and the like. Demonstrations will be mostly non-violent and concentrated in urban areas, but could temporarily disrupt business activities. In November 2022, hundreds of protesters marched through Accra, the capital, to demonstrate about falling living conditions caused by the ongoing cost of living crisis in Ghana, specifically rising inflation. Similar protests is likely in the near future. Given Ghana's large fiscal deficit, we do not expect the government to be able to uh, subsidized fuel prices in the short term, and this will cause lasting public frustration. The next bar talks about the election watch. Mm. It says the next parliamentary and presidential elections are due in 2024. Under constitutionally mandated term limits, the incumbent president, Nana Dodanko Kufado, cannot run for a third term, and he uh, has uh, he has already promised to comply by this particular constitutional dictate. It says in, in early January, the Trade and Industry Minister Alan Chamantin resigned and announced his bid to become the MPP presidential candidate. We expect the contest to secure the presidential candidacy of both the MPP and the NDC to be highly competitive, with several high profile figures expected to contest. A former president, John Dramani Mahama, launched his campaign to secure the NDC presidential candidacy in March. However, the NDC could not choose. Uh, a fresh candidate such as Dr. Kwabna Dufour, a former Minister of Finance who has also declared his intention to secure the party's candidacy. On the baseline forecast, it is on the baseline of this and the current economic hardship, the fallout from the debt restructuring program and poor governance will create an anti-incumbency wave uh, and push the electorate to seek change. The NDC therefore stands a strong chance of winning the 2024 presidential poll and securing a majority in parliament.
So this is what the political outlook looks like. Well, so so that that's quite interesting. The the the, the parliament as we have it uh, is the, the report calls it uh, uh, a razor edge uh, majority or yeah razor edge majority one three seven one three seven one three six and one in in between, yeah. which makes it a bit uh, uh, tricky. And the report is saying that with this kind of uh, uh, parliament, it will be difficult for the incumbent to be passing uh, uh, controversial legislation mm-hmm, or bills. Mm-hmm. That makes it a bit difficult for the MPP. Yeah. Uh, it also mentions a number of factors based upon which it, it makes its, its prediction. Yeah. So, for example, it talks about economic hardships. Mm-hmm. It talks about fallout from the debt restructuring yeah. and uh, program and what it calls poor governance. And in their view, this will create what they call an anti-incumbency wave mm-hmm. and push the electorate to seek a change. A change. Th- th- these are very um, interesting uh, remarks or, or comments from the um, EIU. I think sometime last year, they came up with a similar thing. So this is really, really not new. What it means is that it's an affirmation of what they've been talking about I mean, in, in, in the last year or so. Let, let, let's just hold on for me, Sammy. Let, let me do a quick interview. A director of communications of the um, NPP, uh, Richard Ahiagba, has joined me on the line to to, to uh, to 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 make sense or to help us appreciate what the, the ruling party uh, makes of um, this. Hello, good evening, sir. Welcome to Eyewitness News. Good evening, sir. Yes, uh, it's been a while, but I guess you've been fine. Have you seen the report? Uh, well, just a, a moment ago, I was at uh, uh, some programs in uh, Kumo, so I just uh, sat in my car and uh, trying to digest it. But uh, generally, I think. Uh, uh, I got a sense of it. Much of what they have said is not uh, entirely new. Uh, appears to be a trend uh, that they just uh, re-echoed in this. If anything at all, maybe the inflation trajectory is what might appear to be uh, a new observation that they, they are making. Mm. But generally, the observation in relation to the economy, uh, that for me is very clear. Uh, it's a global issue, so I, I don't see their expectation uh, of any change uh, that they are predicting based on future, sorry, on past projections uh, to reflect in, in the future forecast they are making for now because the environment we're in now is entirely different and the basis for the past predictions that have carried through uh, would not necessarily hold with respect to the environment we're in now. So I think that they're just affirming uh, the realities of the world and and where the uh, uh, you know the world economy finds itself and how it affects Ghana. All right, so 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 spot on. They talked about economic hardships. They're talking about the fallout from the uh, DDEP. They're also talking about poor governance, which we may come to later. And they they feel that this will create um, an anti-incumbency wave and then push the electorate to 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 seek a change. But just to dilate on that a bit, we have a DDEP that that we 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 I don't, I'm not sure to say we've concluded because we've had talks about you know pension and all of that. We have pension bondholders. I mean, uh, 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 threatening to resume picketing soon. We also have school feeding uh, caterers on strike. We have banks posting poor figures at the last count. We and and so far a number of them are in the negative really. Just this evening, we've seen or heard that CSOs in the education sector have petitioned the IMF, you know, because they fear the consequences 
of the program on education there is what we call rising inf rising inflation rising unemployment etc you know you should be super optimistic to think that this will not affect the chances of your party or this will not be enough to cause any change at the polls in 2024 right i mean so so you have to consume the the report in context right so if you look at the um i think uh, 14th uh, april just this month uh, the imf's um uh, outlook projection for sub-Saharan Africa uh, suggests that there's going to be a, a two-year-old deceleration of economic activity. Uh, that is uh, the, the situation that the world finds itself. The global economic outlook projection also suggests that economic activity will continue to decelerate. So that tells you that it's a, it's a global issue. Now, if four years ago, if eight years ago, you consumed uh, EIU report in a manner to suggest that, yes, the incumbent is likely to lose. You cannot do same now because the contexts are different. The realities of today's world is different. So the economic challenges Ghana is going through is linked with the global economy. The whole entire global economy is not doing well. So um, you can see... Yes, I, I'm, I'm with you. Um, hello, Richard. I think I'm losing you. Yes. Sorry, can you, can you no, hear no, me? Yes, go, go ahead. Uh -huh. So what I think that is a challenge and, and the, uh, for us as a party is how well we get our communication aligned for Ghanaians to understand. I think we've done quite a good job, um, but our opponents also have done uh, a negative good job on the, the Ghana to try to create the false impression that our economic situation is isolated and is a, a matter of uh, misgovernance, it's a matter of uh, mismanagement, which is entirely not true. Um, so I think our, our job is cut off for us. What we need to do is to paint the proper picture, and I think that you will help us. So, so there's been uh, several times I've had conversations with you, and there is several evidence to suggest that what we're going through is interconnected. It's linked. The entire world is not doing well, and so Ghana is suffering that. And you talked about the DDEP. Why do we have to go through that? It's linked with the uh, the, the general malaise of the global economy. So we are not in isolation going through any problem. I just told you about a recently released uh, IMF um, Sub-Saharan African projection, which looks gleam that a second year in a row, uh, economic activity will continue to, to decelerate. So that tells you that the, the world is in a place. We will have to um, ensure that the measures that we are putting in are properly communicated that shows that we are advancing the economy in ways that will get back in the shortest possible time. The, uh, the issue of the DDEP, as you said, uh, the conclusion of the IMF uh, deal to give us the occasion to attain macroeconomic stability as soon as possible uh, remains the, the objective and government is working towards that direction. Uh, you know, the, in the report, uh, they talked about, um, you know, cost of living as being uh, one of the challenges, inflation. Uh, and they expect that inflation will continue uh, to rise and only start easing up probably in 2024. But you see, uh, that projection cannot, be, cannot hold because uh, for three months in a row now, inflation has been dropping. And in fact, the recent... Uh, data suggests about 7.8% drop in inflation. So inflation has started easing even now. 
right? So the, the, the uncertainty of the global economy uh, is weighing into um, um, the, the challenges we are facing. And I think that Ghana will do just fine um, as far as the leadership of the, the, the economy is concerned. The MPP, uh, we are laser focused on what the things we need to do to make sure Ghana pulls through um, this uh, difficulty uh, as much as possible in the shortest possible time. So I think that um, what the point I want to make, Salom, more critically is that uh, the consumption of this EIU report has to be in context. And it's not a naturally occurring uh, projection that one will have to take that if they suggest that the NDC is, in the, uh, they expect the NDC to win, it will be the same as it has always been because we have um, uh, intervening factors this time that did never, not, that never existed back in the years when they were making this similar, uh, this similar prediction, when you naturally would believe that, okay, well, maybe you'll follow based on what they I, are. I, 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 I see. So, so there's a global, you try to make the point about global issues impacting you know, countries, etc. But countries are impacted differently. And our local context, our local situation, must be placed in its proper context. You know, we, we, we have a situation where, in our case, we have consistently borrowed. And so what we, we are suffering now is a consequence of the, the debt that we have accrued. That is one. We have a situation where cost of living is high. You've mentioned that. There's rising unemployment. You know, there's, there's generally a crunch to the extent that there is, there is likely to be social unrest. We've seen that with the, with the how do we call them, the, the school feeding caterers. Uh, the report says sometime in November there was a massive demonstration in Ghana, you know, owing to cost of living, etc. So these are the local circumstances that will impact the election. Of course, all the argument about the global situation, fine, but we, we live in a global world, but we are Ghanaians, and so we feel pinched by our local situation. And so it yeah. is on the basis of that that the electorate go to the polls to make a decision. And the point that the report is making is that you are likely to be punished as a result of all these things. Some of them externally, you know, uh, induced, others to, you know, internally inflicted. Well, certainly, I don't, I don't disagree with uh, everything you have said, but I'm only letting you know that uh, you cannot... Uh, you cannot divorce everything you have just said from the situation that we're in now. And I'm not even using that as a basis to excuse that we'll win or we'll not win. But I'm only telling you that our context, the global context, and in the consumption of this report must be done in, in, in isolation from how you've consumed it in the past, right? So the factors that have occasioned this economic situation is not induced internally. It's not an internally generated factor that there's evidence of mismanagement. No. And that's why I told you that what we need to do and probably invest in more and with your help to be able to do is to say the facts as they are. And even now in this conversation, we need to peel out the issues and say, where did things start going wrong? And I've made this point, and I think we have made this point broadly all along to say that if you take 2017, 2018, and 2019, the trajectory of Ghana's economy was on a growth path where the economy has been growing, okay? And then the evidence of change exists for you to see where the turnaround uh, downward occurred, and that was 2020. So 
The consumption of this report must take into account that, yes, there is an expert management of the economy in a direction that is appreciable, in a direction that was creating jobs. And even now, the job issue that you've talked about, yes, there's a need to create more jobs, but this economy, even in this difficulty, continues to create uh, opportunities for young people to find jobs through entrepreneurship, this uh, project where the government is investing to see some one million young people become uh, um, uh, job creators rather than job seekers is something that will materialize and when it does would give us a boost. So if you look at the trajectory I just painted for, okay, and where we are, in fact, if you look at 2021, okay, when COVID eased a bit after 2020, you saw that this economy picked up and 2021 recorded about 5.36% GDP. The last quarter of 2021 gave us about 6% GDP growth, which showed you that a boost uh, momentum had picked up and going on into 2022, this economy would have, would have continued to grow. And then something happened. Again, explaining... Again, explaining that it is not a manage, it's not a management issue, sort of management deficit, but it's an external headwind that the economy uh, ran into, which is the the Russia-Ukraine war. And this account is verified. This account is corroborated by other economic circumstances published across the world. So you saw that we started again with a double effect of COVID and uh, the Russia-Ukraine war. The economy. Uh, economic growth that we recorded in 2021 very well. started slowing down again. Very well. I get all of that. So I, I, I mean, listeners are making the summary for themselves. Yeah, so, so you, yeah, your, 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 good friend, your, your good friend, um, Felix Quach is on the line. But let, let me just yeah. put one more question. Let, let me just make then then we'll okay, bring him right. to the discussion. You, you talk okay, about the right. fact that we need to uh, state the facts as they are. And, and, and it appears that you, you never take blame for anything happening, really. And that has been the concern for many Ghanaians, that your government never takes blame for anything. So, for example, you are quick to mention external factors, COVID, RU war, etc. But we also know that when COVID hit, we made quite some good money. And we all know what was in the COVID audit report, how COVID funds were given to political you know, functionaries, activists, to run elections. We, we saw all of that. In the COVID report, which was uh, uh, commissioned, which was commissioned by your, your government, we also saw the instances. We, you, you said it wasn't due to mismanagement. We also saw the instances where our own president flew very expensive jets. No, I, I'm, yes, I, I'm making a statement, and based on the statement, I'll put a question through. So, so we also saw instances where our own president, you know, uh, traveled in expensive jets, etc. You know, contrary to advice of many well-meaning Ghanaians. Now we are back to what he should be traveling with because we've hit mm. a difficulty. So I, I'm, I'm at a loss when you tell me that it is not a mismanagement issue, we should, that we should construe this purely as an external matter, you know, especially when your government has benefited from, from funds than any government in our history. So, for example, when you were coming to government, you, you, you had the 10, the 10 fields were not in the last government. You have proceeds from the 10 fields, for example, you know, giving you billions indeed the latest report suggests that we we have made more money you know in 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 the last count than ever before in the in the in our oil find or in our oil proceeds that is a lot of money for you but what we have seen according to a lot of people is mismanagement which has really brought us to this place so what do you say to this so so uh um uh, uh so long. the everything you have just said 
is a narrative the NDC keeps, you know, churning. No, it's not right? true. The NDC didn't commission no, the, the, no, the auditor, no, auditor general's no, report no, on COVID. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm saying what everything you have said. I mean, we need the auditor general put the report. So that's a separate matter. This thing about... But the NDC didn't make a present travel and expensive jets. Let me, let me tell you what the NDC said that you have repeated, uh, which is false. Right to suggest that oh you are the government that has received most resources and you are the government that is that is done this and all of that all that you have said the point of the matter is that fellow uh, uh, this economy hits a snack now let me ask you in the in the general slowdown of the global economy how was Ghana supposed to be growing and you know the the structure of our economy which is heavily export dependent okay economy that interrelates very deeply with the global economy right there is a global slowdown which affects whether we like it or not even if even if jesus was managing our economy or muhammad was managing our economy with the interrelationship that we have built with the global economy if the global economy slows down, it will affect your capacity. Now, if you go back a few more years, when former President Mahama was the president of this country, he was telling us that the slowdown in economic activity in China was what accounted for the underperformance of their time. That you can, you can straighten your back and say is mismanagement because that was not widespread. But you got to a point where the entire global economy was shut down. I find it difficult, Salom, honestly, that we have not gotten past that conversation where it is a fact that when you are posing the question, you can tell me, yes, we account for the fact that COVID has happened and this are the impact. This is published impact that it's had on the global economy. Mm. It, it continues to baffle me how in our political discussion we cannot come to agree Very and well. this and that and that is a fact Very of well. the impact of COVID. Let, let, me just, let me just hang up for you. Mm. So the point is that every time I have to repeat that for you and then you end up telling me that you don't see me accepting blame. What is the blame you want me to accept? That the economy was growing in 2017? That the economy grew in 2018? But, but, but Richard, that is even being challenged. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Is that the blame you want me to accept? That I am saying that the economy grew three years in succession and then 2020 happened, COVID happened, and everything went down the tubes. Is that a blame you want me to accept for COVID? We can have this conversation accepting the fact and then moving on so that it puts us in a place where Felix on the line right now should tell us what is it the NDC is going to do to remedy. V very well. So, so, so Felix is on the line, really. So, 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 let, let, so, let, let, so, 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 I want to do here, yeah, Felix. So, 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 so let Felix no, no, tell me let, what, let what me he will conclude. say. Just, I beg you, let me conclude for you. So I'm, all I'm just saying is that the it, conversation it, should center around the policy or, or the policy propositions mm. that NDC is having, what we are having, so we can have a conversation Very about well. that. If today we are still talking about COVID and whether or not it's impacting people, should accept blame. But, no, but you, you brought in COVID. I didn't. So, you, so, you brought in COVID, really. You, you brought no, in but COVID. You're not accepting that that is disrupted our growth. No, it, it's, it's disrupted everybody. Is is disrupted no, everybody, no, 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 but no, it's no, affected no, no, people no. in degrees. So the economies with underlying, you know, challenges suffered most, like ours. That's the point. 
But, but let, 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 let me so test that view. Wait, 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 wait. The economy uh, that grew at 8.2% in 2019 had underlying uh, factors. Let, 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 me test, let, let, let me test those Let me test those views with Felix. Sorry, 6.5% right? in, no, no in 2019. Let, let me test those views with Felix, uh, uh, Richard. All right. uh, hi, hi, Felix. Welcome to the program. Uh, you've been listening to your good friend, Richard. Um, I don't know what the yeah, NDC... I don't know what your party or the NDC generally makes of this uh, EIU report in the past when the EIU predicted that the NDC was not going to win those elections you didn't quite agree here we are the, the EIU is predicted that you would win indeed they did say same last year and they are just being consistent with what they said before uh, what was the general uh, view of your party in respect of this report well the EIU has stated the obvious nobody needed the EIU to know that the MPP has offered, uh, I mean, for, for want of a better expression, rubbish governance. What has happened is that they have totally mismanaged this country and its economy. They have sounded every opportunity given them. They have left us bankrupt. They have debt dissipated the public funds in a manner that is totally unacceptable. They have completely left our public purse in tatters. Today, they have imposed the worst ever suffering in the history of the First Republic and the people of Ghana. We are unable to pay our debts. We have suffered international and global humiliation for defaulting on our debts. Inflation is at its highest level in decades. The exchange rate has tanked. The cost of living has gone through roofs. Growth rates are plummeting. There is not a single redeeming quality about this government. So why you been in the manner that the NDP has done? You are shown the evidence. You are booted out without exception, without hesitation, because there are governments that got booted out for far less. So there's no way, even if another party does not present an alternative, that the MPP will survive elections in, the, in this country. As I said, we have provided rubbish governance. Everybody sees. So the EIU has said what we all know. Even a child in a mother's womb knows that what the MPP has done does not merit a renewal of their mandate. They have to be booted out. In fact, we are even far better off without a government. Compared to what the NDP is doing. Mm, but but, but the, the, is it not? Yes, is it, is it, is it also at, not? Excuse me. Excuse me. Look at the criminality mm. that has been exposed in the fight against an empty. So we essentially have a government, a government that has criminality at the center. We mm. have a president that has led the most corrupt... But, but you see, these are allegations. These are allegations that, no, that no, someone no, has no, made. No, and indeed, no, as no, I no, speak no, to you, as I speak no, to you, may, may I announce... As I speak to you, may I announce to everybody that one of the key names mentioned in that report, Gabi Asaro Tridaku, has sued the, uh, the the good old professor, Professor Frimpon Boating, over comments made about him in that report. We'll discuss that after well, this interview. So, so it means that the people are responding to them. People are challenging the claims in that report. But the mere fact, the mere fact that you sue somebody doesn't mean you will not be No, but it means there's a challenge to, to the assertions made in the report. A challenge, a challenge does not invalidate the claim. No, but the, 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 the court will prove that. Tell him, tell him, if I said you were a man, and you claimed you were a woman, the mere fact that you said you were a woman does not make you a woman. No, but that, that, that's, that, that's been very simplistic, uh, 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 yeah, Felix. But, but it is the simplest example I can give. The point I'm making is that merely because somebody has been sued, does not mean that he told the falsehood. He will be given an opportunity of course. to prove the claim that he's made. So I don't see how that even vitiates or that in any way invalidates what the professor said. But even beyond that, everybody, know, everybody in this country knows that this government is corrupt. That there's criminality left, right, center in the government. Well, and I, I, I have never been interested. Let me land, please. Go ahead. The government has never been interested in punishing any form of corruption or any form of wrongdoing. We all know it. 
and the EIU rightly states that they have offered poor governance. That is the bottom line. When you offer poor governance, you are thrown out. You are not entertained. Now, it was with great amusement that I listened to my friend Richard as he sought to make excuses for this, I repeat, rubbish governance that they've offered. He claimed that COVID is the very thing that has affected their performance. He also wants us to, as it were, divorce the last four years of the NPV governance from their first three years. I think when Ghanaians went to the polls and voted for them in 2017, they asked them to govern for only two years. So that by 2019, there's a line drawn under their governance. Everything else should be attributed to my grandmother's power because he was in charge of this country. This is the most ridiculous excuse I've ever heard. Look, it was the mismanagement and misgovernance of 2017-2018-2019 that plunged us into this crisis when COVID hit. And you rightly pointed out that COVID was a global phenomenon. But there's no country that is in the sort of mess that we find ourselves in. There, 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 are few, there, are few, there are a few countries, actually. Zambia, Zambia and co. Yes, have, have been in far no worse situation. Zambia is nowhere near the mess that we are in. What we are in is unprecedented in Ghanaian history. Never has a Ghanaian government defaulted on its debt in the manner that the NDP government has but, 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 Felix, you, you, are, you not failing, are you not failing to, to, to take account of the global situation? There, there is the there, there is RU war that is ongoing, you, you, you and, and it's affecting, it's affecting no, global it, supply chains. No, no. And, and and there's also the COVID war, very unprecedented. We call it for, we call it force majeure in many instances. You know, Togo, Benin, Nigeria, Sierra Leone, Liberia, Burkina Faso, Guinea, Guinea-Bissau, and all the West African countries that surround us are not in the sort of place that we are in. Why COVID bypassed them and affected them alone? Is that what? No, their local situations may, may, may be different. Our economy and things we depend on, which are structural, may be different from what they, they have. Nobody put a gun to President Kufado's head to fail to restructure this economy. He himself promised in 2017 that he was going to transform our economy in 18 months. So if he fails to do that, and a global pandemic impacts us in the manner that he claims it has impacted us, he should be booted out for failing. The point is that Ghana's economy on any given day is stronger than the economy of Togo and Benin. But in recent times, under President Kufado, they have deliberately and systematically decided to mismanage the economy. Why? They have put a gun to President Kufado, Alaji Baumia, and Kalufrat's head to borrow to the extent that they've done. They did not caution them that they were borrowing too much and that it was going to have adverse consequences for our economy. What did they tell us? That they had the men and that they were brilliant and that they could do what they believed was right for the Ghanaian economy. That borrowing is what has plunged us into this catastrophic situation. So let's look at this possibility. It was not the IMF that asked them to go and borrow. How did COVID contribute to the borrowing? They borrowed because they thought they needed to win elections at all costs. And you rightly pointed out that when they indeed borrowed, they shared the money like confetti among political activists because they wanted to win elections. The, the, that is what the, they did. Yes, the, the, the EIU. The funds we got. They the money that we the, want. The, the EIU, and yes, the EIU too has been consistent in one thing. The EIU, at the last time, sometime last year, mentioned the fact that the NDC uh, stands a strong, strong chance to win, likely to win, but they may want to uh, revitalize the, the the ticket or revitalize the NDC uh, must try to revitalize its prospects with a fresh candidate. That's what they said the last time, and you you, you disagreed. They're also saying now that the NDC could also choose to revitalize its prospect with a fresh candidate, such as Kobnado, for a former finance minister. 
who has also declared his intention to secure the party's candidate. It appears that uh, the the candidacy or candidature of former President Mahama may create a bit of a difficulty. Indeed, some of the candidates with him in the race have said that he's been badly damaged. And indeed, we saw what the MPP did to him in 2016, tagging him as a corrupt person, incompetent, etc. I'm not sure how he's been able to shed himself off those tags. And those tags may be lingering in the minds of the people. Don't you think that changing him may, may, may improve the chances of the NDC? So the rule of Ghana prefer those in the NDP who are for this rubbish government. They prefer Baumia, who has been at the center of this rubbish government. The very government that has collapsed our economy. The head of the economic management team, who has run away and cannot even mention the word domestic detesting. Have you heard him utter that word? He is so humiliated, so disgraced, so exposed as an economic charlatan that he cannot even mention the very word he used to mention when he was in opposition. You are telling me that people of Ghana prefer the man who has survived this rubbish governance to President Mama, who has a far superior record to anything that the NDP can present. Is that what we have been told here? In any event, did President Mama not defeat President Kofado in 2012? Was he not the same person who won the election? And when President Kofado eventually won 2015, what had not been said about him? Had he not been heavily criticized by the media and the people of Ghana prior to his emergence as President of Ghana in 2016? Very so well. can say whatever they say. But the point is that there's absolutely nothing that they can say about President Mama, that will stop the people of Ghana from throwing them out. And I repeat, they have offered rubbish governance. When you offer rubbish governance, you are thrown out. Your mandate is not renewed. And the results of that rubbish governance is seen by all of us. Very well. About it. Very well. So, so Felix, we, we thank you so much. And I guess your, your own uh, uh, parliamentary race is, is going well. We wish you the best. Yeah. We'll talk yeah. about yeah. that maybe some other time. Very, very well. Thanks so much. Uh, thanks so much, Felix Kwachi, who, who speaks, uh, one of the spokespersons for John Mahama. He's also running in the AAK constituency. Uh, Richard, um, just 30 seconds if you have any response. Just 30 seconds. You know, Felix didn't answer any question you asked. Felix is skilled at just talking about things. He doesn't really answer any question. Very well. Then it means that there's no response from you as well. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Richard. I wish you the very best in the Kumewu elections. I, I, no, but it, you have a response to nothing because I didn't say anything. You, you, we'll, we'll come back to you some other time. All the best in the right. Kumewu by election. Thank you so much for your time this Thank evening. You. Thank you, uh, Richard. All the best, yes. Eyewitness News on 97.3 City FM. Uh, we'll take a short break. When we come back, we'll tell you what Gabriel Sarochidakun wants from Professor Frimbom Boating. He has sued him in court. Don't go away. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3 Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973 and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News. Eyewitness News on 97.3 City FM. Uh, your comments have been coming in in droves. That is Alex Wynn in the UK. It says uh, John Mahama will win the election 2024. NDC failed, MPP failed us. Alaji Hamza from Pig Farm says it is a fact that the MPP is going to lose the 2024 elections based on the poor performance of the economy, high cost of food, staff, inflation, corruption, reckless borrowing, and many other factors uh, you say. Uh, this one from Lottie Jones in the Swim says this is not something new. Every suffering Ghanaian knows that GM is winning the 2024 elections. Daniel Akpaliok from Sanema says the supposed revered economic giant and Messiah, uh, Dr. Baumia, has gone into hibernation at the time Ghanaians need 
him most. I think his economic lectures are needed today than ever. Jones are the boy in La says, Good evening, Salam. Richard and his MPP party can tickle themselves and laugh. Ghanaians have tasted both NDC and MPP. The difference is clear. Corruption and the mismanagement under MPP supersedes every government in uh, history. Prince in Hohoi says, As human as we are, I don't expect the MPP to accept the report. Neither would NDC refute it either. Yes, so they, 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 from Pom Boatin, Galamse report matter doesn't appear to be to be going away today the ghana integrity initiative uh, is actually calling on the president and anti-corruption state institutions to swiftly act on their report we will deal with that in a, in a bit but gabia sorichidako uh, one of the key names mentioned in that particular report has now proceeded to the court he has sued the good old professor for defaming him more or less and he is asking for some things from the court uh, my colleague uh, fred jabano is in studio uh, to help us appreciate what gabi asarichiraku wants from the good old professor in court uh, fred uh, welcome to eyewitness news thank you what, what does what does gabi want from from the court so um salam this particular case um, um suit gabi has filed in the court stems from two things mm. the from Watson report presented to the um, chief of staff mm. And then a response to Gabriel Chidako after his interview with us mm-hmm. um, when the uh, uh, um, report was leaked mm-hmm. or we cited the report, the report and published. Yes. Okay. So these are the two reasons why Gabriel Chidako has gone to court mm-hmm. to sue Professor Frimpong Martin. Mm-hmm. And in the suit, um, Gabi Chidako is saying that per what Frimpong Martin put out in his report and his response to him, it's portrayed him in a particular way. Mm. He's listed about um, seven things, seven ways this report and um, the later write-up has portrayed him as. Mm. The first thing he says is that the um, Professor Frimpong Watin in his write-up and the report portrays him as a saboteur. Mm. He's also saying that he's been portrayed as disloyal. He's been portrayed as someone who's a law to himself. Mm. He's been portrayed as someone who is an obstruction to the fight against Galamse. Mm. He's also saying is that he's been portrayed as someone who acts with impunity mm-hmm. and acts to obstruct justice. Mm. So these are some of the things um, Gabi is saying, Frimpong Barton has described him as. Mm. And he believes that <coughs> these things have injured his credibility, mm-hmm. his character, and his reputation. Okay. He's therefore seeking the court to... Um, get Frimpon Watin to pay him a sum of 10 million Ghana CDs in mm. damages. He's also asking the court for an apology and retraction mm. of the words complained and particularized in the report okay. and in, in the write-up of Frimpon Watin. Mm. Then finally, he's asking for a perpetual injunction restraining Mr. Frimpon Watin or Professor Frimpon Watin and his assigns from further going on to publish anything mm. which is false against him. So these are the three things Gabi Ochidako is looking for from the court. I see. So when was this filed? This was filed um, today. It was filed today? Yes, this, this, this particular suit was filed today. I see. Thanks so much, Fred Jabano. Fred Jabano uh, is my colleague here. He's just come to us with uh, that suit filed by Gabi Ochidako uh, seeking uh, damages uh, for defaming his or defaming his person 10, 10 million cities of that from 
uh, the, the, the good old professor through the courts and, and a few other things um, you just heard from Fred Jabba. Now, Eyewitness News on 97.3 City FM still on Galam say, as I did indicate, the Ghana Integrity Initiative, which is a local chapter of Transparency International, uh, is calling on government and telling government that it's time to turn the rhetoric into action. He wants the president and they want the president and anti-corruption state institutions to swiftly act on Professor Frimpong Boatin's uh, report. Um, the, 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 the local, uh, or Mariada, is with the uh, Ghana Integrity uh, Initiative. She joins us on the line uh, to, to tell us really what is behind their call. Hello, good evening, Mary. Welcome to Eyewitness News. Good evening. Yes. And so, good evening to your listeners. Very well. Even right before, even before this report was leaked, the president zoomed straight to action by asking the CID to uh, to investigate some of the claims that Frimpong Boatin has made. So I'm sure for a lot of people, it was based on that that this report was leaked. And essentially, I mean, apart from the details, the things in the report are not very new. There were things Professor Frimpong Boatin alluded to in interviews. For example, saying that people at the Jubilee House and, and the party itself, you know, frustrated his efforts at dealing with the Galamse problem and that they themselves are now involved in it. It was based on that the president directed the CID to deal with him. So so what again do you want the president and the state, I mean, uh, anti-corruption state institutions to do? Because work is already ongoing. All right. So uh, let me quickly say that, as you indicated, it is the fact that most of the issues came to light just because uh, Professor Frimpong brought in after submitting his report and perhaps maybe he had not received any feedback, uh, decided to speak to the media. And that was the point when the president decided to institute an investigation and ask the CID to do so. So the question we should be asking is, uh, why then? But then that is uh, beyond the point. We say... Uh, about and uh, beyond all the things that has happened, we know for a fact that our president has indicated that he is putting his um, presidency on the line uh, to ensure that the fight against Galamse is won. Unfortunately, over the years, since uh, he came into office 2017, and ever since he made that statement, we have not seen significant progress in the fight against Galamsey. Again, we have seen some when there has been advocacy around the issue and when the army during the Galamstock days decided to do something about it, there were some gains made. Unfortunately, we have retrogressed in this fight. And as a people, we should be very worried. We should be worried about the future of our water bodies and where we would, even our own existence, because this is a problem that could pose challenges, health implications, and even on all the other things we haven't spoken to. But then we are saying that when an individual who was given a position to do work presents a report to the president, we believe that some action should have been taken on it 
Today, it hasn't. He has come up with a report where he mentions certain individuals. Yes, we know some of the individuals can take some action. But I believe, and as GRI, we also believe that it is incumbent on the president to investigate some of the issues of abuse of power, influence peddling. I hear some people are going to court. Yes, that is good. But then let us put together an investigative body, independent, not parliamentary this time, but an independent body that has all the experts, including you, the media, civil society, and everybody else, to sit down and interrogate this issue. Because people have been mentioned. People have been mentioned impugning the legitimacy of the presidency because specific individuals were mentioned. Let this committee sit. Let this committee interrogate the issues and let it come up with findings that would then clear the cobwebs in our mind. Very well. I believe yes. that would be very good for all of us. Yes, but, but Shraj has already been petitioned and, and Shraj uh, is promised to do a good job unless you do not trust the competence of Shraj in this manner or in this matter. You see, we are actually going to Shraj and also the OSP. But, but, Shraj, but there's already a petition before yes, Shraj. Yes, we know. We know that. We know that. And and you are a lawyer, so you should know that uh, we could do joint applications, and that is done and would be done. Uh, and we are going to the OSP as well, because we believe that in our space, some issues have been mentioned which deserve interrogation. And we would definitely be the better for them if we have all the state institutions up and doing, working on this matter to bring closure to it because we all need it. And Very I well. believe as well that the recommendations that would be posited would also then determine perhaps a better strategy going forward in the fight against corruption. Very well. Thank you so much, uh, Mary Ada, uh, with the Ghana Integrity Initiative. Thanks so much for your time, and we'll be watching the space and see how uh, this matter pans out in respect of what the Ghana Integrity Initiative intends to do. Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. Now, some CSOs in the education space are also uh, acting in respect of the, the, the difficulties in the economy. Uh, they have petitioned the IMF on expenditure cuts in Ghana's basic education uh, sector. And they say that uh, a number of things, you know, should be, uh, Ghana should be exempted, or the country should be exempted from a, a number of things which they think were part of the negotiations of the, uh, between the country and the IMF, mainly conditions precedent before Ghana gets that board level approval. And so we've been joined on the line by Dr. Um, Ayifa, who is Deputy Country Director of Send Ghana, to, to help us appreciate really uh, why they have had to write to uh, the or petition the, the IMF. Good evening, sir. Welcome to Eyewitness News. Uh, was it so important to write to the IMF um, rather than dealing with your government, arming your government with all these points so that this would influence their negotiations with the IMF? Thank you, my brother, and good evening to your cherished viewers. Yes, you are right to ask the question as to whether we need to deal with IMF uh, or we need to deal with government. Uh, of course, you do understand that we have been dealing with government at CSOs. We are a key actor 
as far as our development is concerned. But the fact is that considering the way things are now, it's not really about what government says, it's about what IMF says. And if I need to step back, you know, IMF traditionally has really not been so much involved in the social sector so much. I mean, for them, their preoccupation is to look at issues of balance of payment and whatnot. But fast forward from the 2011 coming, because of the fact that people have tended to see that any time there's an IMF program, it's not only in Ghana, but there is evidence out there. It is mostly the social sector, which includes education, that suffer. If I should give you an instance of uh, 20, let me don't go back, 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 but let's look at 2009. When government was in an IMF program, there were a lot of publications out there that uh, actually proved that education suffered severely and other social sector. And number asking eight did some study that really suggested that there were huge cuts, one in general education expenditure, but in particular that caused delay in even get fund payment for the reduction in, in allocations payment to get funds and the like. And in fact we are witnessing the same uh, this this year. And what we, 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 we are seeing is clearly an indication of because of some of the conditions that IMF is actually pressing the country uh, to adopt. What we've seen uh, is that there's cut in our education uh, budget allocation. And if you look at the medium-term uh, framework for education in particular, you see that consistently there's a drop. If you look at the education uh, sector budget, uh, Ghana as a country, but of us being part of global partners for education, there's a commitment that in 2021 we committed as much as possible to have uh, as 24% or so of our government expenditure going on to education every year. There's a minimum benchmark of 15%. So if we can't even meet between voice, we should meet 15%. Uh, what we observe is that there's a drop in Ghana's specific uh, expenditure allocation to education. This year, we are calculating about uh, 12%. I think almost 13%, 12.9% per send Ghana African education was in other Yes, those calculations. Mm. It used to be from 15%. Very well. But, but yes, yes, generally, I mean, the concern is that every sector of the economy appears to be suffering some cuts. So is it your ca- the case that edu- the education sector should be exempted from these cuts? And, and how feasible would that be? Yes, we think that it is, it is very important we take a look at that. But, you know, we are not looking at the education sector as a whole. We are looking at the critical sector, like the basic education. That is the foundation. And so if there's anything that needs to be cut, I do not think you need to cut a tree from the root. Once you cut the root, it means that the tree will cease to exist. So the free SHS, as we, as we have it, must continue to be so, right? Um. Well, see, the argument for, 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 for me and for us is 
not whether the CSC should be should be there or not. The argument is that you cannot overprioritize free SHS at the expense of the basic education because I need to go to class one mm. before I move to secondary education. What we see is that there is a cut in the education expenditure for uh, the basic school. We are not seeing same in uh, the, 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 the free SHS. Sorry, the secondary education side. And what that happens, when that happens, means that there is adverse impact on primary education. Up to now, we textbooks uh, for the new curriculum. Mm. Up to now, the capitation grant for the basic school are still in areas. Very well. And these are some of the things. Once you are cutting the basic school education expenditure, that means that it is going to have a toll on already a bad situation that we are in. That is Very why well. yes. we are Thank you. Thank you so much, Dr. Emanuele Eifa, who is Deputy Country Director for Send Ghana. Thanks so much for your insight on your petition to the IMF on handicap cuts in Ghana's basic education, um, which you say are conditioned precedents for Ghana uh, securing a board level approval at the IMF. Eyewitness News on 97.3 City FM. City Business News is up next. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Get the details of every significant financial transaction, every market movement, and all the policies that affect your business. City Business News. Be informed. Time now for City Business News on Eyewitness News, powered by citybusinessnews.com. My name is Michael Obudu. Let's settle for the details now. The Ghana Institute of Freight Forwarders, GIF, is urging the government to review the reversal of discounts on the benchmark values policy in order to boost traffic at Ghana's ports. This follows concerns raised by the Ghana Ports and Harbors Authority over the declining numbers at the country's ports. Three years after the implementation of the benchmark policy, the Ghana Revenue Authority recently announced a complete reversal of the policy on January 1, 2023. This meant that, beginning this year, importers would no longer enjoy a 10% discount on vehicles and a 30% discount on all other goods. Speaking to City Business News Chairman of Giftema Chapter, Johnny Mante, stated that the reduced traffic other ports could largely be attributed to the scrapping of the discounts on the benchmark values. I mean, it's telling everywhere. I mean, if you look within the port, that also that in business people would always find other routes to get their cargo. And I don't know, they, we, you know, they, we are the biggest loser. We are saying to government that what they need to do is that look at the benchmark policy very well. Let's let's let everybody come on board. Um, if the space deteriorates, we all we all go down. The thing is that all these imports that come to town, it's not it's not it, it is for the ordinary consumer. It's for you and I. All right, it's for your grandmother sitting somewhere in probably Kumasi or my my auntie in the Kwimate or. Uh, Chibi somewhere. You understand what I'm saying? It's important that we look at we look at these these issues and um, ensure that these some of these things are not necessary. We want the volumes to come. Do away with the benchmark value and trust you. Be these things are going to turn. We're going to it is going to be a sharp turnaround. Look, if you even at the at the at the height of COVID, at the height of COVID, we we, we exceeded our, our targets at the height of COVID because there was a that that discount policy because the benchmark was too high and was arbitrary, was unpredictable. People, government saw the need to what, introduce the discount policy. Now we've taken the discount policy. We have. Added a 2.5% import VAT. Chairman, what do you expect? He further called for regulation of the activities of shipping lines in the country as they were contributing to the high cost of doing business in the country.
what the line does is that they do something called voyage estimates. So, okay, we are coming to Tema. Tema, we know now there is no congestion or formerly there used to be congestion in Tema until uh, MPS came over there was congestion. So, okay, the Tema, I anticipate there will be congestion at the port. So, there's a congestion. So, what they do is that every other thing is levied in the freight rate that is giving you. Of course, there's a base rate, but they give you a charge you pay. So, that's your freight. So, it is in your mind, what you do is that you come to town, you have paid your freight, with your bill of lading that has been given to you, you only go to the line to pick your cargo once your duties are paid. But what happens? No. They tell you that you have to pay administrative administrative fee of about 11,000 Ghana CDs. Don't forget, this is not even in CDs. It goes up every day. It's in dollars. And they have their own exchange rates. There is a Bank of Ghana regulation that tells us that nobody should what levy anybody in foreign currency. But what they will do, they will levy you in dollars and then what? Charge you in CDs. And no one is supposed to be paying. And we've made it clear in no uncertain terms that no one, once you've paid your cargo, you get to tell money, you don't have to pay all those. Things. So all these charges, especially the shipping line charges, why do you pay cleaning fee for a container that you've loaded boxes of tissues, boxes of computers in a container? You come to town, you've paid for the charge. You come to Tema, you have to pay all these services as well. Chairman of the Ghana Institute of Freight Forwarders Tema Chapter, Johnny Mante. As part of efforts to ensure the implementation of sustainable banking practices, the Bank of Ghana is urging financial sector players to be transparent about environmental, social and governance ESG performance and report on progress towards sustainably meeting their goals. The central bank maintains that by integrating ESG criteria into decision-making processes, banks can create long-term value for both society and investors while promoting a more sustainable and equitable future. Here is the Deputy Director of Banking Supervision Department of the Bank of Ghana, Ismail Adam, making the call at the launch of the Integrated ESG Program by the International Finance Cooperation. That was the Deputy Director of the Banking Supervision Department of the Bank of Ghana, Ismail Adam. That's all for City Business News on Eyewitness News. It was powered by your most comprehensive business website, citybusinessnews.com. My name is Michael Obodu. Thank you for listening. As always, please stay safe. Up next is Point Blank. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Ah, you know, Papa, see that? And it's Ricky Tika. Hey, Papa! 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 Ah, Bobo, so how your engine now? It is half man, half amazing. Thanks to cause and you can feel better energy. Can't touch this. Tell you guys, so Santos engine just died like that. Yes, so somebody managed to convince him that there is a better engine oil than quartz. And he switched. Ah, Sancho Panza Pan.
Now, which engine oil can be better than Quartz? No other, my guy. Quartz with its age resistant technology, it keeps your engine Now, you know, have you guys seen the new bottle design? It's superb. Quartz 9000 from Total Energy's Day improves fuel efficiency. Why do you think Mr. Mane and Logozo have taken the Quartz Nation movement World Cup like that? Sorry, sorry, Chairman Omani. Quartz. Keep your engine younger for longer. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Welcome to Point Blank on Eyewitness News. The NDC goes to the polls on 13th May 2023 to elect both a presidential candidate and parliamentary candidates for the 275 constituencies across the country. And as we've been doing, We've been trying to focus on some of the constituencies. Tonight on Point Blank, we focus on the Tema East constituency. And my guest is the Honorable Isaac Ashai Odumton, Member of Parliament for that place. And also a former Mayor of Tema. Hi, good evening, um, Honorable. Welcome to Point Blank. Good evening, Salom, and good to have uh, have me here. Yes, yes, yes. We, we're happy to have you. Um, you it's, it's been your first time in Parliament. How has the feeling been so far? Uh, so far, so good. And um, it's it's uh, one that brings me joy that I have opportunity to serve the many people and the good people of Tema East. I see. And, and it's been a very difficult parliament. I mean, contrary or unlike the other parliaments where one side clearly had a majority, you guys have had to fight, you know, almost every single thing. I mean, opposing everything. We talk about the e-levy, the approval of members of, I mean, uh, uh, ministers, etc. So how has that battle been from even from the night of your inauguration through all the processes? You know, was that what you expected or you expected that, you know, the House would work a lot more congenially, uh, you know, and, and more, you know, together than what we have seen, at least in, in, in the public. Yeah, Salom, I think that Ghana got a chance and an opportunity to helm its uh, or her uh, democratic credentials through a very strong parliament that should have provided the best of oversight, uh, given the um, composition of the current parliament. Mm. 
again in the in the first time in the history of our country we got government uh with a parliament and a speaker from uh, a different party and mm. so these were iconic opportunities that should have uh, given Ghana that um, enviable accolade of deepening what we call parliamentary democracy. Remember, mm. our democracy is described as parliamentary democracy. And mm. that is why when there's no parliament, then there is no uh, constitutional rule. Mm. And so, again, fortunately for us, we had a speaker who wielded that high level of experience, one who saw it right from the beginning and had lived through not just walking into the various uh, parliaments that we have had, but he experienced both leadership in parliament as minority leader mm -hmm. and as majority leader. And so I, I, I am, I'm happy to be serving in the eighth parliament where I have my disappointment is the uh, lack of leadership, ineptitude in um, what we call real uh, 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 negotiation, real consultation that should have given the NDC, uh, NPP government a better appeal for a democracy that has good balance between parliament, judiciary, and the executive. But I think that... The ineptitude it, in leadership. I mean, yeah. what exactly do you mean? On your part, on your side as, as minorities, is that what you refer no, to? No, no. I'm referring to the inability of government to have carried parliament with the real issues of consultation negotiation no, but, but you guys oppose everything so if government wants to pass you know you know tax measures for example government thinks that's proper to to help us deal with the problems you will say no i mean meanwhile when you're in government you pass tax you know legislations etc so in a thing like that how should government carry or the government side carry you guys along you have to fight so that the one with the numbers will win that that's what it is they feel you will oppose everything because Adabraka, your 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 headquarters says you should oppose it so you will oppose it that is the thinking they have and it appears that is what has been playing out but they got it all wrong mm. because governance is about the people and so if it's about taxes um i would have rephrased your 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 submission mm. I'm, I'm not sure it's a question but mm. um why i would have rephrased it is the example you use about mm. taxes mm. let's take e-levy for example mm. you had a government that wanted more money mm. and they have procedures you want to introduce taxes you must go to the people mm. and explain to the people so you can get some level mm. into that tax uh, proposition you have mm. you recall in parliament our side of the house indicated that there has been close to no consultation with key state actors and stakeholders who would make that policy work mm. They thought they could have their way just like when they had 169 in parliament and that is where i call them an inept leadership and a, a, a government that did not show a real sense of of, 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 of mastering the act of governance mm. because solo you had 169 mm. and so you can have your way at every point in time mm -hmm. at the expense of the people who gave you the mandate because if Ghanaian gave MPP the mandate, it was not a blanket check to say that because we voted for you, anything you want to do, go ahead and do it. But, but, but the people like this and so they, they return them to power. Yeah, they did. But our constitution is fashioned in a way that tells you that every year, 
come to the people's representative mm-hmm. and tell them about what you want to do and yes. also account for what you have done and we do that yeah and that is why yeah, the state of the nation address so the president, and that is why it. you did not expect parliament to sit aloof and pass any law they bring mm. because when you bring the law the law will affect the people mm. and so the constitution is is framed to make it mandatory mm. for government to bring those instruments and those requests back to the people's representative I so see. this is where i expected mm. government to carry the people along I see. and talk, so on the talk, issue talk let me land on, okay. on this on the issue of e-levy mm. we said consult they said we are ready uh, we will get 6.9 and then you, you realize mm. later they have to now start regional tours uh, to go and now consult so mm. you see the mismatch mm. you do these things before you come to the house but, but that, yeah, that, that's the right thing to do but i mean in our history it's, it's really not been the case the ndc didn't really do that and it's also intro, introduced taxes i don't recall they going around holding town hall meetings etc before passing same but talking about consulting and, and town hall meetings etc how consultative have you been as member of parliament? Do you go to your people to tell them this is what is under consideration in parliament? How do you want me as your representative to vote? Do you do that? Yeah, I do. And let me say this emphatically. Sometimes people want you to mention specifically that today I have a town hall meeting here. Mm. But, Salom, we have great opportunity to reach out to people mm. and to make the things we do in parliament known mm. to the people and sometimes you can even take advantage of a funeral situation where you have huge gatherings mm. they give you opportunity to speak and occasionally you will touch on sensitive national issues mm. and so we do Re- just this month mm. during the easter festivities i got the opportunity to interact with the baptist church okay. they ended their easter program on a friday with a convention and so there were issues like lgbt taxis so you take advantage of social groupings Mm. places where you can of course if i have to organize then you go through a lot of protocols but these are ready-made um residents people who matter in your constituency whether uh, in the churches and i use the church environment a lot mm. i use the uh, muslim community a lot and i do have a review section mm. which i do every 7th of uh january and i do in the middle of of the month mm. um there is also this aspect of our consultations where you get inputs people write to my office mm. people come recently when ghana water you know had the price hikes mm-hmm. um i had a, a number of uh stakeholders writing or coming to my office to discuss their issues with me so it's a two-way affair sometimes mm. you go to them and as a member of parliament where the people believe that you have listening ears they come to you with all their and and i use i go to ghana water i go to key uh, agencies that would have to respond to some of the needs uh, the last one i recall is coming from the sailors association mm. the seafarers association in tema and i recall about last year they they brought a concern which had to do with their welfare issues and i i asked the question in parliament and the minister had to come and answer and to understand the challenge of 
social security issues, medical issues, um, insurance issues of our seafarers. And so I'm enjoying the interactions I'm having with the people. I guess people who want to see conventional way of doing things, but we are able to think on our feet and take uh, advantage of opportunities that exist, mm. uh, especially when you are in opposition, you ought to. So, so you, you've been in parliament for, for close to three years now. Oh, yes, what, two what, years, two what, months. Two years, two months. Okay. So, so what committees have you been working on, and what will you say has been your contribution generally to the work of parliament? Yeah, I was, I serve on the gender and social protection committee, mm. and I also serve on employment um, uh, and uh, state enterprises. Mm. Uh, uh, committee. Mm. I think that um, the committees of parliament are fashioned in a way that would make parliament more effective. Mm. For example, the Employment, Social Welfare and State Enterprises Committee uh, is mandated to look at the financial performance mm. of all state-owned enterprises. At that committee, you are able to look at the financial um, activities of not the operations. Mm. The operations may go with their uh, standing committees. Mm. And so at that, at that level, you, you have better opportunity to, to look at what we truly call oversight. Mm. Oversight. To ensure that if it is recruitment organizations are doing is, is it just job for the boys mm. I, I, are they looking at and and there are many uh, times you would find that companies that are not doing too well are still very quick in adding numbers to their staff and i think that is the bane as a country why we are not um uh, harnessing the potentials of our state enterprises mm. and so these committees offer me uh, but of course my I've, I've been involved in financial reporting mm. I've been involved in uh, uh, accounting and, and and finance generally and so I enjoy that committee I see people some of your people think that you should be a bit uh, more not 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 sitting on the front bench because that is not your decision to make but they want to see you taking on issues a lot more frontally you know because you, you they, they think you speak well and that but they don't hear you more on, on on key issues apart from reading statements here and there on matters confronting your your constituents that is your core job but it appears you want to see you more advocating on on issues of national concern how do you say to that yeah it depends on how uh, you look at it you know as as um a, a group in parliament we do have our ranking members mm. you know for all the issues and as individuals could also take you know currently uh the legislative architecture makes room for private members bill so mm. indeed one can take any any uh, issue of concern for the constituency and promote a bill for that you know uh, but as to where we sit and how we deal with some of these issues um, would have to relate to uh, what we do as uh, a group, as mm. opposition, okay? And so I would say that I have made critical interventions. Let me give you just two. Mm. Um, on World Water Day in 2021, 
2022, um, if my memory serves me right, there was a statement which I contributed and brought the issue of the water challenges in Tema, mm. especially because I had been a mayor before. That, that's right. I was able to link that challenge to a solution that His Excellency John Dramani Mama during his time where I was on, I was part of a team that went to the Netherlands for the Ghana Wash Window Program, mm. which gave us over $48 million to uh, support water extension. Mm. And that project was under the Ghana Water uh, Company. At mm. the time, Tema, current Tema West was part of Tema East. Mm. And so Ajekojo being a new settlement was key on our agenda. And Bankuman, a community within Tema East, was also uh, talked about. Since I made that statement on the floor, I pursued it mm. by the grace of God and by the well-meaning citizens who believe in the leadership of Ashai, I got about two kilometers of pipelines lived in, in the place yes in very, the, in very the well, talk, area. talking about water Number and sanitation two, okay, okay. Uh, talking about water and sanitation people have talked about the the the, the deteriorating sewage condition sure. in, in tema and so tema east is, is part of that you've been mayor and now you are mp for tema east how how have you what have you done to to assist uh the the poor sewage and sanitation problem in tema because you mentioned I've been mayor, mm -hmm. I'm tempted to look at it from a broader yeah, but, but, perspective. Okay, you, you, you narrow it to your constituency. Yeah, to my, in my constituency, mm -hmm. of course, uh, that is a mayoral or mm -hmm. a national, uh, because you know, Tema was built um, as a as a, uh, a planned community mm -hmm. that had that sewer. But remember, it started as a 15,000 populated area. Mm -hmm. Currently, it's over 200,000 people mm -hmm. on the same sewer infrastructure. Mm -hmm. So what my former president and the, the, the visionary John Dramani Mama, we, we conceived a total overhaul mm -hmm. where we're going to take advantage of the low-lying basin between Adenta, Tema West, and Tema East. There's actually a naturally low-lying mm -hmm. area where gravity could even help mm. in how we uh, we expand that front we lost that opportunity because ndc lost the power in 2016 i believe mm. if we had won power tema would have shined better mm. than what we see and I so see. currently uh two of the projects that we did to activate the pumping stations within the Tema area. One is around the Lube Oil area. Mm. There's another one around the Port area and then Comte 5. But the Lube Oil one falls within my area. We awarded a, con a, a contract for that project. Six years, they still have not been able to uh, complete. It took my intervention re recently for us to see the new lines come up. And so, uh, knowing, having that history is mm. helping us Very to well. at least... Do you live project. in the constituency? Because one of the things people have said is that you do not live in the constituency. Do you live in the constituency? Salam, I'm the only MP with a permanent office in the constituency. The only MP. No, no, not, Since office, not, not office residence. Yeah, I live. I'll give mm. you three places I have. I'm a native of Tema, mm. born and bred in Tema. I have my own property in the constituency. Mm. I sleep in the constituency. And of course, I also have my property outside uh, income to 25 or within mm. Tema Enclave. Mm, but not in a constituency necessarily. No. My, I have a two-bedroom house in my father's house where I, I, I sleep. Mm. I have another uh, single room self-contained in the community where I sleep. I mean, as for me being in the constituency, anybody who raises it, mm. that person will be disingenuous. Mm. And so anybody who thinks that I'm very far from my constituent would only be... Uh, 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 probably just guessing mm. i live in the constituency the whole of yesterday i was in my office attending to people and the good thing is that when as an mp 
you have an office in the constituency and that office is not a rented property mm. it's my personal property i i, I see why, why do people say that you voted in support of the new taxes why, why do people say that you know politics must not make us lose our scruples mm. politics must not make us uh, begin to just think that everything is about lie mm. and unfortunately the people we are dealing with believe that the uh, theory of perception and lie mm. in politics repeats the lie over and over and over and it becomes truth mm. i will not lose my so you didn't vote you didn't vote in support of the taxes you you follow the party line i voted against the taxes mm -hmm. i i voted against the increased numbers uh, uh, in, in ministerial appointment because Salom, it doesn't make sense mm. you see you mentioned that ndc also came up with taxes mm. but you see where we are as a country mm. where we are calling on we need more money but it's not just about money remember budget is always about revenue and, and expenditure. expenditure i see so when you see people that, that, always that, that's your fault you're, you're a finance person i mean you're you 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 going to you're going to another election revenue more money more money yes. you're going into another election yeah. um what would you say is been your single most important achievement as a member of parliament for the Tema East constituency helming the various stakeholders within the constituency mm making the ndc party attractive mm, that's a major achievement i tell you. mp you see the way people want to look at it is to play the delegate 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 issues mm. but we've got to make the ndc party attractive and that is why we have to consolidate the gains we have made mm. you asked me a question earlier why i uh, which which reflects why i got more vote mm. in the last election mm. is the attractiveness we want the party to become and truly most of the people are now willing to become full-fledged members of the ndc and I understand the mayor now i mean your, your predecessor is lacing his boots to 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 contest in the main election i mean for the mpp primary and then uh titles global is also lacing his boots we understand but you first have to scale your your party's uh, uh primaries which comes off on the 13th speak directly to the people the people and the delegates in tema east and and let them know or maybe tell them why you think you are the better or the best choice among the three of you understand who will, could be contesting this race uh, the good people of tema east my 146 branch executives and branch members we did it together in 2020 no individual can claim that he won the seat for Ashai. Mm. I led the campaign with you in your various wards and we decentralized the campaign and you own the campaign. Today, I come back to account to you. I have been with you from this from the beginning till this point. Mm. We've we've introduced programs that would affect us as party people and as residents in Tema. Mm. I'm very confident that the trust you reposed in me Oh. as i offer you leadership that you can trust in the area of education we have trained teachers mm. we have we have provided computer labs for our children mm. we have made intervention in all educational programs including supporting education administration mm. in the area of health we have supported health administration promoted uh, health screening and good healthy living within our constituency through health screening and even blood donation exercises mm. in the area of health again we have brought people from outside the country mm. from uk and from us to support dental care support eye care and also 
provide us with free health insurance mm. in the area of education recently and in previous years we have supported our children who are going to school uh, with a lot of interventions and most importantly in the area of employment even in this situation we find ourselves as a government where companies are shutting down mm. when co uh, people are losing jobs we have made interventions both in country and outside the country well. over 200 people are now in Cosmo, Pania, and other places in the free zones. Well. It's about Tema. My people of Tema, Ashai still cares. I see. Ashai still cares. That is his message. So he's running against two other people. And at appropriate time, we'll bring those people as well to tell us what they have for Tema East. This is how we conclude the program today. My guest has been the Honorable Isaac Ashai Odanton, Member of Parliament for Tema East. Show is being produced by Nana Kobna Welsing, Beverly London, and Sami Wiafe. Production assistance has been given by Dennis, uh, Daniel Squashi. My name is Salom Adonu. Make a date with me tomorrow at 9 a.m. for the big issue where we consider the big big stories that made the headlines in the week incisive analysis riveting conversation nine o'clock on 97.3 city fm up next is sports panorama and the boys are ready have a good evening hotline on 0302-224959 and get interactive on Facebook City 97.3 FM and on Twitter at City 973.